We all have dreams and fantasies and high hopes that our YouTube channels are going to blow up. But what happens when it actually does? Well, you're about to find out. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Women of YouTube podcast, where we are sharing stories of women YouTube creators in order to inspire other women to start creating. In each episode, we deep dive into why these women chose YouTube to create on, their struggles, their successes, and of course, get real about what happens when you're a female creator on the internet. This podcast is brought to you by TubeBuddy, your best friend on the road to YouTube success. Now let's get into it with your hostess, Desiree Martinez. What up, ladies, and welcome to an episode of the Women of YouTube podcast. I'm super pumped to be here today because we're talking with somebody that's one of our most requested women to talk on, most talked about, all that kind of stuff. We're talking with the one, the only Catherine Manning, better known as the content bug. She actually recently has been going through a big rebrand where she's shifting away from this content bug and into her personal brand with Catherine Manning. And we just dive into a lot of really awesome things in this episode today. We go over like things like hitting 100,000 subscribers and like what it feels like to like blow up and how you might be able to replicate that kind of success. Before we dive into this interview, I wanna make sure that you guys are doing a couple things reminder head over to facebook and join the women of youtube facebook group you can find that facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women of youtube where we do weekly trainings where i'm showing you different things that you can be doing to help grow your channel in different ways we're doing things like you know content sharing ways to make money and all of that jazz on top of deep dives into tubebuddy as well as channel reviews so if you're wanting to dive into that and learn more how you can grow your channel and level up and figure out what to do next definitely head over and join that group also, as a bonus, we are doing a membership drive. So by joining the group, you're going to enter to win a whole lot of awesome goodies, including a ring light with a tripod stand and some awesome books for you to use that I think every creator needs to have, including Vlog Like a Boss by Amy Landino, uh, Superfans, as well as YouTube Secrets by Benji and Sean. And the Cease to Lovers Assaults, you get a free legend account to too, buddy. You have a chance to enter to win that. We are doing that contest all the way through May. And if you are a little late to join that, no big deal. You should still head over there because the value is amazing. And one last thing before we dive into the interview, I have a little like tweetable, grammable quote bomb to drop on you to give you some deep thought into something that you're considering when you are planning and creating your content. And it is YouTube doesn't find viewers for your videos. Nope. YouTube finds videos for your viewers. Remember, you are at the mercy of creating content that YouTube will put in front of people, not the other way around. This is not a world of if you build it, they will come. This is if you build it, well, someone's going to have to bring those people to you because there's nothing you can do about it except create great content that is engaging and searchable for the YouTube algorithm so that they can find those viewers to put them in front of your videos. Now, without further ado, here is my interview with Catherine Manning from The Content Bug. Thank you so much for being here, Catherine. I am so excited to have you here so that we can just dissect your brain of all the geniusy goodness that's going on inside there. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. All right, let's dive into this. We always start the same way. Why YouTube? 
So I actually got started with my blog first and not a lot of people know that, but three years ago I created my blog because I was just unhappy with my life and I didn't really love my career. And I honestly, I wanted to work for myself. I'm not a great employee. I'm a rebel. I don't take direction very well. So I started my blog and then after a year, I really just wanted to do video tutorials. I thought that it was going to be a way to enhance my content on my website. So I turned to YouTube, created video tutorials, and then it really just evolved from from there and it's actually been a lot easier for me to grow my YouTube channel compared to my blog so yeah now I'm a full-time youtuber okay so why do you think it's been easier for you to grow your YouTube channel versus your blog for me I think it's a huge personality thing okay I think it's a lot easier for you to get someone's personality through video compared to writing I know that a lot of people will talk about like there's so many bloggers out there. Um, one of my one of our other guests who's been on this show, Meredith Marsh, she talks a lot of, with me about how she's like I have spent so much time teaching bloggers how to become YouTubers, and it's like there's so much resistance when it's literally like guys, you literally have all of the content. You've got this SEO thing on lock. Why aren't you hitting the record button? <laughs> yeah. Why it's do you think so, it is that there's that, that fear that, that, that whatever that is, it's stopping people from making the jump. I mean, it is so different with a blog. You can almost more so hide behind your computer compared to with video. I think you have to be a bit more vulnerable. I mean, you're just sharing your face even and the way that you naturally are. I think it takes a bit more vulnerability compared to writing blog posts. Yeah, I could see that. I guess I always like to tell people like, look, that's just, it's how you sound. That's what you look like. Like yeah. we all from you and like your beautiful face, just do it, do the thing. <laughs> Especially because as we all know, as YouTubers and bloggers, the easiest part is actually recording. Mm -hmm. All of the other stuff is the real work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, YouTube's a big learning curve for sure. So what have been the biggest learning curves for you with this jump into YouTube? Um, for me, I mean, there's a lot like dealing with mean comments and haters, all of that stuff. I feel like I get a lot more of that on YouTube compared to my blog or even Instagram account. But really when I was getting started with YouTube, I thought it was as easy as filming a video, doing very minimal editing, uploading it. And that was it. That's not how it works. <laughs> I spend days editing my YouTube videos now. And that, I mean, just even learning how to edit was a huge, huge adjustment. So how did you learn how to edit? Just trial by fire? Basically, yeah, trial and error. Um, I ended up watching some of my favorite YouTubers and I took a lot of notes and I figured out what I really liked in their videos. And then I was like, okay, how can I recreate or take this and make it my own with my own editing style? Okay, so since you've been copiously in, like studying other people, what's like your easy hack that we could adopt for our own editing styles uh, that we could try doing for ourselves? I think the easiest thing to take up your videos is figuring out different overlays or okay. like, so like if you're sharing a tip within your YouTube video, have it be like a text overlay or something interesting. Or I know right now I feel like vintage, like film or recording screens and all that stuff is really in. So that's something easy that you can incorporate just over your videos. Awesome. Nice little, nice little hack there. So what's been one of the coolest things that you have gotten to do and experience since becoming a YouTuber? I feel like there's been a lot. I mean, just being able to do this full time, it's a 
blessing. I absolutely love it. But even just the connections that I've made, I think that's probably the coolest thing. Like being on the phone with Sean from Think Media, never thought that ever would have happened. Like that's just so cool. And like Roberta Blake has been really inviting in the space as well. And just connecting with other people. I mean, working with brands that I absolutely love, that's super cool. And like future stuff that's coming out, like there's been, I don't know. I love YouTube. I really do. And it's brought me a lot of great things. Would you say that there have been more opportunities from YouTube than with your blog? For sure. Yeah. And why do you think that is? Um, it might just be because of my audience on YouTube, meaning like the size of my audience on YouTube. It's really, really hard to get those opportunities when you're small. And I mean, I was a small struggling blogger and YouTuber for two years before I ended up having my blow up, but it's, it's really hard. People want to work with people that are bigger. And I know even I'm still a smaller YouTuber, like I don't have a million subscribers, um, but creators as well as like brands want to work with people that are at least established, but they do still like small creators. You know, it's not like they're only going after people with a million subscribers, if that makes any sense. No, I think it totally is. Okay. So let's dive into, as you put it, your blow up. So what is, so again, uh, one of the things I love about YouTube is people don't understand that it's not like, it took me 10 years to become an overnight success or whatever, right? So for you, you could probably say it took me more than two or three years to become an overnight success, right? So yeah. tell us, what is it that you think resulted in your blow up? And what are some tips that maybe you could give to the audience that they could maybe use in their own YouTube strategies to help them with growth? Yeah. I wish it was just one thing. I mean, YouTube, even just like the algorithm, it's not just one thing that you can do. There's so much that goes into it. So before my blow up, I think one big trigger point for me was actually figuring out what made me different because there was already a lot of people on the platform talking about YouTube. And like I already said, there's like Think Media and then there's Sunny Leonard Doozy and Roberta Blake. And I really looked up to those people and I was like, okay, how can I grow like them? And I realized that just trying to be like them or create videos like them wasn't actually going to get me anywhere because why would someone want to subscribe to me when they can just subscribe to the original? So one thing that I really had to figure out is what made me different and why were people going to subscribe to my channel? I love that. And I think that that hits a lot at home with those ladies because it's like no one wants the knockoff. People want the mm -hmm. designer brand, right? So yeah. being a designer brand, a knockoff, right? So how then... Cause from studying, cause like one of the things that all YouTube educators say, like they say, study the people you aspire to be like, or that you admire, or that you just love what they're doing. How do you make the leap from mimicking to originality? Yeah. So I stopped watching all of their videos. Oh. I stopped watching any videos from creators that were actually in my niche. Okay which I feel like a lot of people don't recommend. And even in some of my videos, I've said, take a look at people that are successful, figure out why they're successful. But I think sometimes you can get so bogged down by all the noise and it's so easy to just be repetitive with what they are saying and not what you actually believe. Oh, that's deep. So then who did you watch? I mainly watch lifestyle YouTubers. Okay. And you just saw like what they were doing and mm -hmm. yeah. And that's really how I ended up coming up with my filming style and my editing style. I personally like lifestyle and vloggers more than like sit down chatty videos. So even when I'm having a sit down chatty video, I try to make it interesting with like my B roll and all the other extra scenes that I get because I personally like those videos better. Like that's what I want to watch on YouTube. 
So, I mean, it was also just another way that I could be different in the space of a lot of talking head videos. I really love what you do with your videos because you're somebody that I, that got, again, the, the algorithm fed you to me and I became a little like, oh, cool, cool. Oh, she keeps coming up. Must need to keep <laughs> watching her. And uh, I did a video recently about how I plan my YouTube videos. And I was like, okay, how can I do this differently and really show the behind the scenes of it? And I like stepped out of my, my set, my quote unquote set that I have set up because uh, I, I have a, a small house with a lot of people and creatures in it. So I have like a very like, don't make this spot messy kind of a thing. But I was like, okay, how can I spice it up? And I, and I did that. I did a lot of like sipping coffee, doing B-roll, showing how I do things. Like I mm -hmm. found myself making my own TikTok, my first TikTok video and just like tried to make it like a little bit more interesting. And I can say that like by having the multiple shots and, and taking people on that journey through the creation of something, it definitely kept my retentions up and uh, my views up. So, I mean, there is something too, I think what you're talking about, which is adding variety versus just being a talking head. And I think that there's yeah. a time and place for both for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. So one of the things that you did say about becoming a YouTuber versus a blogger is that it's a little bit harsher. So I want to transition to this question that again, I ask everybody is what is something that you have had to deal with that makes you go, ugh? a man would not have to deal with this. Why is this happening to me? So do you have any moments like that that you've experienced from being a YouTuber? I mean, definitely. I think just being, I mean, being a female YouTuber, a lot of people want to comment on your looks. And when I was first growing on YouTube, I got a lot of comments saying that the only reason I was growing is because I was good looking. And that's just, like, it just like made me want to prove them wrong even more because I'm like, looks can only get you so far. I mean, thank you for the compliment, but it's like, again, like a guy probably wouldn't have to deal with that. Like if they were growing on YouTube, no one would say, oh, it's because you're good looking. Um, so I get, I've gotten that as well as, of course, I get a lot of comments on my appearance or when people find out that I'm engaged and they're like, oh, like I wanted to date you and all this stuff. And it's just, it's weird and and inappropriate and sometimes I just ignore it because how else do you deal with it why do you think that sort of thing is and it is an issue like we're in 2020 like it's been a hundred years since women have been given the right to vote like why are we still struggling with this in this era of like you know me too and women empowerment and closing the wage gap and all this stuff that's going on why do you think that's still an issue and it's like when we clap back at people, it's, it's this much like, well, I was just complimenting you or oh, it was just a joke or whatever. Why do you think it's happening? Yeah. I, I mean, I hate that response, honestly. <laughs> like when people are like, oh, like, why'd you take it that way? Um, I think especially with YouTube, I mean, even with bloggers and on Instagram, it's so easy for people to hide behind their screen. And it's really, really crappy that so many people do. They'll just leave nasty comments because it doesn't really get back to them. Like they're just hiding, leaving a bad comment. Yeah. I always try to go about what I'm commenting or saying things like, I'm going to say exactly what I would say to your face in this yeah. comment. That's why I've made a very extensive GIF library. So I can tell you exactly what I think with my face, <laughs> but it's just, I'm always interested in this comment because I do, I hate that like every woman's comment when I ask them about this in the podcast is always around this exact topic. And I just yeah. don't know why it still has to happen because I think that while men still deal with insecurities around their looks and stuff, I don't, I don't, I've never heard about it so openly 
has like these kinds of issues with women. And I just wish that there was a way we could just get it to stop and let our value and our words be what drives, drives us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I just wanted to take a quick minute and thank you for listening with a little something something from TubeBuddy. If you don't know, TubeBuddy is a free browser extension and mobile app for your YouTube account that helps you with finding the best keywords, create titles, A-B test your thumbnails, provides you with analytics, milestones, reporting, and so much more. If you have been inspired by the stories in today's podcast and you're ready to start creating, you don't want to do it without TubeBuddy. Get signed up with this free service at TubeBuddy.com forward slash women. All right, so let's transition out of this. So let's talk about how you create stuff, which I know we've touched on a little bit, but tell us some of the details. Like, what do you use to edit? What do you use to film? Um, all, how do you promote your channel? All that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole process and production. And I always say, like, if you want to become a YouTuber and you think it's going to be easy, like, it's not. There's a lot that goes into it. Uh, so to start, I mean, I use a Canon EOS M50 it's my camera. Yeah, it's I my camera. It. <laughs> I love it. It's reasonably affordable. I mean, there's some YouTubers that use like two thousand plus dollar cameras. Like this one's only, I think, eight hundred dollars max, but you can get it down to like six hundred some. So, not a bad camera to edit. I'm using iMovie right now, and I've used it for years because it's free, and I didn't have the money to really spend on like Final Cut. But that's an investment that I'm looking to do this year. Um, I mean, what else like specific about my process do you want to know? I have, I'm always lot? really interested to hear how people promote their videos, especially if it's like outside of YouTube. Yeah. So when I was getting started, I did a lot of promotion. I still do a lot of promotion on my Instagram account. So I'll always say on my Instagram stories when a new video is live, because I have a decent chunk of my Instagram followers watch my stories. So I go there always, uh, before that, when my channel was still small, I promoted on Pinterest as well. So awesome. I uploaded the video to Pinterest and then I also uploaded the video on a page on my website. So I would put it within blog posts that it worked well with. And then I would create an own, its own individual page for the video. And then I would promote that on Pinterest as well. So I was really driving traffic through Instagram, Pinterest, and my website. So with Pinterest, because I love this strategy, um, how much conversion are you seeing from Pinterest to your YouTube channel and or video? Or is it more to the web to the website link? It's more so to the website. So Pinterest made a move where you can actually verify or connect your YouTube channel as well as your Instagram account to your Pinterest account now. Um, they made that change like I think a year ago or so, but I feel like they're still more so promoting links to websites compared to links to YouTube. So that's why I did it both ways. I would upload it from YouTube to Pinterest and then I would also have it as a page on my website and upload that to Pinterest. Love that little hack you just gave us. So who are some of your favorite female creators? I've got a lot. Uh, the ones that I watch regularly, Alicia Marie. I have a, a loved her content. I used to follow her a while back, stopped following her, fell back in love with her. But she talks a lot about like the business of YouTube, especially on the, her vlog channel. And I, I'm obsessed with it. Um, Aspen Ovard, I like her as well. JC Marie, she's a smaller YouTuber, but she's also a photographer and I just, I love her Instagram content as well as her YouTube content. But yeah, I feel like I've got like a list in my subscription box, but. <laughs> so go to your, her YouTube and look at her right side. See her <laughs> That's what I just heard you say. 
<laughs> Tell us about the business that you have built uh, from YouTube because you are a full-time YouTuber, which is mm -hmm. kind of like the dream. So tell us what, uh, what business looks like for you as a full-time YouTuber. Yeah. So I obviously, there, I mean, there's a lot that goes into the business of YouTube and this is something that I really want to dive more into on my channel because I feel like people don't talk about management or hiring out help and building their teams and all of that stuff. And even, I mean, my fiance calculated my taxes that I have to pay for estimated quarterly taxes that are due. Um, so all of that stuff, I feel like a lot of people don't talk about, but for me, income streams is huge. So obviously I make money from ads on YouTube, but then it's affiliate marketing sponsorships. I build out my own paid products, which is huge. Um, and something that I'm still continuing to do in the future. And then this year I'm definitely looking to hire on help because there's, I mean, there's a lot that goes into creating content and just this as a business in general. If you want to be a YouTuber and you want to do this full time, it's not like, Oh, I just have a YouTube channel. You're running a business and there's things like accounting and marketing and emails and all of that stuff. Like it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> That's awesome though that it's grown to that now. Um, tell us about your, um, personal products. I think that that's something that we haven't really talked about about on this channel. Tell us about what your products are that are, that you do and why you like how that works that whole process. Yeah. So I feel like on YouTube, a lot of people think like, Oh, paid products as in merch, which in reality, that's a hard first step to get into paid products. And if you are a smaller YouTuber or someone that wants to dive into paid products, think of things digital that you can offer. So I got started with courses at first, and then I realized that I really don't like building out courses. So I came up with things that I honestly use in my own like systems or day-to-day -day stuff. So I have my blow it up blueprint, which I use Eh, I use like twice a year and I just go over like, where am I at right now? What are my goals and how, what can I do to get there? And it just kind of like breaks it all down for you. And it's a system that I've been using for so long. And I was like, if I've been using this, I know my audience could get benefit from it. So I offered it as a paid product, but then I also have Lightroom presets. So I've got a set for like YouTube thumbnails. And that's honestly what I use to edit my own thumbnails for YouTube. So I was like, if I'm using this, my audience can use it as well. So that's really how I come out with my paid products is what are the things that I'm using that I love that I think other people could love as well. How do you promote those without like being like, bye, bye, bye. Like how, cause it, I think that that's all of our balance. Like I know that I, even I struggle with this. So it's like, please, this is what I do. I like money. It helps me pay for my children's food. Like, <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's hard. And it's something that I definitely haven't mastered. I feel like there's like months where I just don't talk about my paid products at all. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Because like, I'm hurting my sales, you know? And I'm also like, decreasing my opportunity of actually helping someone else with the paid products that I've already created. So I try to naturally bring them up. So when I'm talking about like up leveling your YouTube channel, I'll bring up my blow it up blueprint. And I'm like, if you want like the step-by-step -step process you have to go through, like check this out. Um, but I think it's a good mix of like not being like, and here's this buy, 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 you have to buy. And just more so I try to naturally incorporate it within my content. So even in my vlogs, if I'm editing an Instagram photo, I will say I'm using my Lightroom presets. If you guys didn't know, I have them for sale. They're included in the description bar. That's brilliant. I was just going to say that because I remember seeing a, a video recently that Peter McKinnon did where he did this video where it's like, let me edit your photos or whatever. And he mm -hmm. talked about how, when he was doing the photos, he went through and did all of his Peter McKinnon. And then he had the like, 
fourth wall, like, by the way, you can go buy my presets, right? <laughs> like, kind of a thing. And I was like, duh, like, that makes total sense for someone like Peter McKinnon, who's a photographer and video guy. And it makes perfect sense mm-hmm. for you, too. I think that it's just like we're all trying to figure it out. Like, I'm with you. I hate courses. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't. I've had people like, do you have a course on how to do this? I'm like, I have a YouTube channel. I'm like, just go watch it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm really excited when other people have like a different mentality of like trying to create digital products so that you can have the multiple streams of income. And I think that now more than ever, cause we're all, we're recording this and like, I don't say that. I can't even say the middle cause we don't even know where we're at. We're on like day, like 14 to 21 of the quarantine. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I feel like by having the system, you've found a way to future proof your income. And I'm yeah. guessing that because of this, you're probably not being hit as hard as other people are financially, right? For sure. I mean, I noticed, so when, especially the U.S. went into quarantine, I noticed the first week my sales definitely dipped on my paid products because people weren't buying. I mean, people were like not going to work. Some people got laid off. Like people didn't want to buy products and I understood. Now my sales have gotten more so back to normal, but I am really lucky that I've got a ton of different income streams. It's not like I'm just relying on one thing. So yeah, I won't actually see like a dip in my income. And I think what's also helped tailor that is like YouTube blew up for a lot of us creators that are especially us problem solving creators. I think that I got this notification that was like, your views are up 164%. Wow. That's and awesome. I was like, why? And I'm like, oh, it's because everybody's at home. And then like, I went and I looked at like, what are my top performing videos? And it's all things that are people need to solve. How do I live stream and add guests and do all of these things. So I'm sure that that's something that I I know that our YouTube community is talking a lot about that right now. So I'm sure that that has offset it for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. Even so I have a content calendar that I follow, love. It keeps me super organized. I had to rethink my content because I was like, okay, people are now wanting to start a YouTube channel or people are home and they're like, I've never had time before to start a YouTube channel. Now's my time to do it. So I'm going back to the basics with some of my content because I know that that's going to thrive right now compared to what I originally planned. So how do you, how do you account for that? Like, cause obviously like, again, we want to make sure that we're helping people all the time, but I, people like us, us YouTubers that do this all the time, batching saves our life because you never know when something's going to happen. At least for me, especially cause I've got kids and I've got a husband and I've got in-laws and you never know. And so by being ahead, it really helps me. So, but how do you account, like, how do you find that balance of like, paid work versus staying topical and trendy and and helping what's going on right now? Like, how do you make those adjustments and also maintain quality? Yeah. So I'm not normal in the sense of like this world, because I feel like, like vloggers, lifestyle YouTubers, a lot of them don't batch their content compared to like what we talk about. It's very easy to batch our content. I personally don't. I film all of my YouTube videos the week before they're supposed to go live. So I'm constantly working on the next video. And that's one of the ways for me to continue to stay relevant. Like if something like this happens, I can adjust my content accordingly. And then I don't feel like I've wasted like a whole filming day of creating several videos. Yeah. I'm dealing with that right now coming into March because I have paid, I have paid video work. And then I also have this digital summit I'm putting together to help all of the people in the time of need, but Mm -hmm. also like, 
I'm just trying to figure out the balance of saying like, okay, but how can this, how can I make content that promotes the summit that also helps people? So I'm always curious. I'm always learning. We're always dealing with stuff. And part of the reason I have this podcast isn't just to help others, but to help myself too. So I'm always (laughs) other people's processes are about stuff. (laughs) So, so what do you think is one of the most overlooked details or mistakes that new YouTubers and YouTubers in general just make that you think is kind of hurting them that you want to help them with? Oh, uh, there's a lot. I feel like I could create a whole video on like mistakes you are making. Uh, but one of the things I like to say that I feel like a lot of people ignore because some people are like, focus on your keywords or your thumbnails. They're super important and they are. Uh, but I think one thing as a small YouTuber, a lot of people aren't paying enough attention to their comments and what their audience actually wants. Creating a connection with your audience is huge. And when you're small and people are leaving comments, like you're only getting a couple comments a day, maybe you're getting like 20 comments a day, respond to every single comment. Not only is it going to help your engagement, which is great for the algorithm, but you're going to actually create a connection with your audience that they're going to want to keep coming back for more. And then you get more of an insight of, oh, they asked this one question. I can turn that question into a YouTube video because if someone's asking that question, there's a lot of other people out there that are also thinking the exact same thing. Absolutely. I love that tip. I, uh, yes, all of the, yes, please, 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 please. What is maybe the mistake that you have made that we can learn from? Oh, I made a lot of mistakes. I think my biggest one, especially in the beginning is that I didn't niche down. I just thought that if I was creating videos and I was being consistent because everyone on YouTube is like, you have to be consistent. You have to stick to an uploading schedule. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I'll just make whatever videos I want to make. Well, that ended up turning out that YouTube had no idea what I wanted to actually be known for and what I was actually talking about. So they never promoted any of my videos. So it took so long for me to grow on YouTube because I didn't pick a certain subject. Like I didn't pick a category. I was just like, okay, I'm just uploading a videos. And it really, it hurt my growth for over a year. So this is a good, a good point that you made. And I want to ask you some more questions about it. Cause in the women of YouTube Facebook group that we have, this is a common problem where people are like, I have so many things I want to talk about. Yeah. I have so many different like interests. I have this, this, and this. What advice do you have to them to help them focus and pick that focus? Yeah, I would say pick three things. Hopefully three things that kind of work together. So like for me, when I finally decided to niche down, I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about digital marketing, but I had to leave it open so that I still felt like I was having fun creating and I could talk about a variety of things. So I narrowed it down to blogging, Pinterest, and then how I was able to do things. And through the how I was able to do things, I talked about how I was able to get monetized on YouTube, how I was able to create my paid products and all of that stuff, which really then changed the direction of me focusing and talking about YouTube full time. Um, but I would say focus on three main things that you like, and you would be surprised with what kind of falls underneath that. So let's say that you're a parent and you want to do like parenting, motherhood, whatever it is. There's so much that goes into that, whether it's like being productive while your kids are home or like making food for your kids, activities for your kids. Like there's so, so much that goes into that. And it's not really, I think a lot of people think that it's putting you in a box when in reality, you just need to think outside of that box. (laughs) I love that. So do you think then there is room for new creators on YouTube? 100%. I honestly... When I was getting started on YouTube, I remember having the exact same thought. It's too late. People are already so successful on the platform. It's oversaturated. Like I'm, I'm never going to make it. Um, 
but you actually have an advantage getting started late in the game. I honestly think that you can take a look at other creators and they've made a ton of mistakes. They've had to figure out the algorithm, what works, what doesn't work on YouTube. You can take a look at them and really learn what is working on YouTube right now. Plus there's so many videos on YouTube about how to grow on YouTube. Like I really do think that it is easier now than it would have been like eight years ago getting started on YouTube. I think if you're saying, oh, the platform's too oversaturated, that's just a way to hold yourself back. Like you can definitely get started. Preach girl, preach. Thank you for that. How can people find you on the YouTubes? So my channel is The Content Bug and you can find my website's The Content Bug, Instagram's The Content Bug, everything. Thank you so much for your time to talk with us and sharing your genius with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Women of YouTube podcast. We would love to know what you thought about this latest episode. So make sure to tag us with hashtag Women of YouTube with your thoughts. And if you really love this episode, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes to make the podcast gods and Phil over at TubeBuddy happy.